0: Meanwhile, you're gonna stop the alcohol? For a time being is not good because again, if things are raw, it's gonna get irritated. You're gonna go to Mexico on Wednesday, so I'm just okay. I don't know. How in the world am I supposed to follow these doctors orders whenever I'm going to Mexico? Nothing spicy nothing citrusy you know again avoid the alcohol okay so that's why margaritas and everything like that like i was like "Ooh, i could drink one maybe but no i no. can't even drink one no. if something is going on yeah. even a little bit of alcohol yeah will tip you over but i know i need to grow up and just not drink but what's fun in that hello and welcome to everything iconic with me danny pellegrino what an episode of Vanderpump Rules this week. I thought it was fantastic. I felt like it had an electricity that's been missing. I was so excited. I was on the edge of my seat during that whole brunch scene. I thought there were new cast dynamics on display. I loved it. I loved it. I thought this episode had everything. It had excitement, drama, laughs. It had very little Ken, which you know always makes me happy. It had new cast dynamics. It had Tom at the DMV. It had a dress from the year 2000. (laughs) What more could you ask for in a television program? I I loved it. I loved it. And again, I think it had some sort of electricity that I felt has been missing these past few weeks. And it's, you know, whenever I doubt these kids, they come and bring us something magical. And I felt like this week was magical. I know maybe some of you will disagree, but I thought it was wonderful. Now, let's just catch us up on last week. Last week, it was revealed that Brittany might be allergic to tequila. This is one of my favorite threads that's happening throughout the episode. Which <laughs> When Brittany went to the doctor. <laughs> And he told her not drink. She's like, I'm going to Mexico, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, I lived, you guys. But so last week, they introduced that. And then at the end of last week, do you remember Tom was uninviting James to the Mexico trip? Which I thought we'd be in Mexico by the end of this episode, but we're not even there yet. We're not there yet. Anyway, I'm fully caffeinated. I'm ready to get into this episode. We're going to break it down. My apologies in advance that I've had too much coffee. I wanted to be energetic for this, you know? I'm coming off that Leslie Grossman episode, which everyone loved. I apologize. I'm here solo this week. I'm here solo for this Vanderpump Rules recap. But you know what? I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. I'm queer and I'm caffeinated. So buckle up. Oh, you guys, you know how we're focusing on the transitional music on Vanderpump Rules? Well, Simon Curtis sent me a text the other day, and he was watching like an old episode of Vanderpump Rules, and there was a song called Superstitulous. <laughs> super. Superstitulous. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Superstitulous. Oh. Superstitulous or super. Si- <laughs> I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's a made up fucking word, so I can say it however the fuck I want, but. It's the most bizarre word, and it just made me laugh so, so hard. Like, whoever's writing these things, and we got some good ones this week. Nothing quite as good as superstitious, but you know, we got some good stuff. So, this week we open with James yelling at Schwartz and leaving Tom Tom. You know, he's walking out of Tom Tom and he needs a cigarette right away. And we see him like in one of the back areas and he starts crying and he says, He says, That bitch, I hate her talking about Katie, but. He says, like, right, sort of at LVP. And LVP, like, doesn't know what to do. You could tell she's thinking, like, this is making great TV. But did he just say it to me? (laughs) Like, not sure. And James, I was feeling bad for him. I was feeling bad for him because he got disinvited to this Mexico trip. And, like, he even said, he said, I DJ'd on toilet paper. And he's right. He did DJ on toilet paper. I feel like that earned him a place on the cast trip. There's no reason he shouldn't go on the cast trip after we filmed him DJing on toilet paper. That's it. That's it. That's the line in the sand. And I think you know that's enough rep. <laughs> that's enough repentance. Is that the right word? I don't know. But that's enough to get him on the cast trip. He DJed on toilet paper, and he said it through tears. I DJed on toilet paper up there. <laughs> that's right. He was right. That was what turned me around on James. I thought, you know what? Let's get him a ticket. Get him a plane ticket. He deserves this trip. And right when this is all going on, Ken just sort of sneaks up. You know, he always sneaks up on us, whether we like it or not. He's just, he was in the background. I saw him, like, kind of creeping into frame. I don't know, someone propping him up, like Weekend at Bernie Stout, propping him up into frame. And I thought, what do we need him here for? Not interested. Cut away, cameramen, women. Cut away. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were DMing me and sending me links of, I guess, there was some other podcast where Ken had been accused of cheating. And I didn't hear it, so I don't know the details of it. But the d- few details that I did get, I thought, I don't know if that I believe Ken is cheating, because I don't believe that he can even open his eyes, let alone get his dick up. I just don't, I don't know. And look, I'm not an expert. What do I know? You know, he could barely stay awake on camera. I'm not sure he could stay awake in the bedroom. But what do I know? I don't know the details again. I don't even know where this was. It's just a lot of people were sending me like some random information about it. So he snuck up. and then. You know, James is kind of pulling himself together. He's crying. He's yelling. He's upset. Tom Sandoval's back there. Lisa's back there. Ken snuck up. And he asked Lisa, but can I still DJ Billy's brunch? Because if you remember at the end of last week, he asked if he could DJ Billy Lee's brunch with Billy. And Lisa says, yes. And there was a moment that made me so happy. It like warmed my heart where, you know, James is kind of pulling himself together, but he just had such an emotional moment. And Sandoval says, come here, man. And then he hugs James. And I think a lot of the anger on this show, a lot of the fights, a lot of the drama could be diffused if we had more Sandoval hugs. You know, later in the episode, Lala seemed to have, you know, some erratic behavior. And I just thought, Sandoval needs to go hug her. Somebody needs to hug her. I feel like sometimes you get worked up. I do this a lot. I'll get really worked up about something, either angry or or stressed or anxious. And I just need someone to come over and hug me. And then it's like instantly calm down. You know, what is that? Like the Temple Grandin? <laughs> it's like the Temple Grandin method. I'm I'm just like Temple Grandin, like I need someone to hug me. Like what did she didn't she like create that box or something where it basically hugs you? Look, I don't know the details. I haven't seen Temple Grandin in a, quite a long time. But I do know that there was some sort of hugging device and I think we could all use it. That's <laughs> I don't know why I'm just thinking of Claire Danes as Temple Grandin. I know that's not like Claire Danes just played the character of Temple Grandin, but do you guys see that HBO show or movie or miniseries or whatever it was? I feel like Claire Danes deserved more awards attention for that. And also, can we all agree that it'd be great if Claire Danes came into Sir as Temple Grandin and hugged James? I mean, that's what's going through my head right now, and I'm sure it's going through yours. (laughs) But I just wish. I wish we could get Temple Grandin to get a job at Sir. I want her working. (laughs) We need need Temple Grandin hosting Brunch with Billy now that Lala's not able to do it. I don't think Lala's going to be back at Brunch with Billy. So I think what we need to do is get either Claire Danes as Temple Grandin or Temple Grandin herself. Let's get her at Sir Brunch. And when any of the kids need a hug, she'll be there to do it. I'm sorry for that aside. But... I think it's important that we get Temple Grand and a job at Sir. Moving on, we cut to Stasi's. She's bedazzling a bottle of Tito for Sheena's because, of course, Sheena's having this girl's dinner at her house in Marina Del Rey. Stasi says she doesn't want to go up empty handed, so she's bedazzling this bottle. And she asks Carter to help because he's more artistic. And Stasi starts talking about the book. She said she's overwhelmed by the book. She needs an extension, a month extension. She says how hard it is to write one page. And I just want to say, that it is very difficult. Now, I have talked about this on the show before, but I've ghostwritten a book before and I'm working on a couple others, but it is much more work than it seems. Because when you look at a book, sometimes you think like, oh, I could write that. But there are a lot of words. I <laughs> sound like I'll see. But when you talk to a publisher and the publisher's like, you need to write sixty-five thousand words, like at first glance at first thought that might not sound like a lot, but I don't know if you guys have ever sat down to try to write 65,000 words. Like, it's a lot of words to fill up the pages. So Stasi was right here. It is a lot of work to write a book. However, I don't know that Stasi's writing at all. Like, I think she is working with someone. I should have asked her that when she was on the show, but I think she's working with someone, so it's not like she's writing those 65,000 words. I don't know. She gets that extension, and I'm happy for her. What's interesting about the publishing world is they do need the book so early, so she said it's going to be a spring release, so they need it by like October, which is a crazy thing when you think about it. But these books, they need them like so far in advance. It's crazy. But that's, that's neither here nor there. Then we get our first bit of transitional music. Now this was, I'm going to try to do it justice, but this was ride all night, ride all day, ride until the sun fades away. We ride, we ride, we ride, ride, ride. <laughs> then we're in Sheena's. Apartment <laughs> like, Ride all night, ride all day, ride so the sun fades away into Sheena's Marina Del Rey apartment. Now this is what I noticed this week is these transitional songs, like they're always leading into something that's like totally fucking batshit. And it was like this song, it doesn't make sense how we're in Marina Del Rey with Sheena. You would think we we're going like out clubbing or something with this song. But no, we just get to Sheena's, she's making enchiladas with Adam. You know, I was trying to think of the last time I was in Marina del Rey, and I think it was about a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I went garage sailing there, like right around there. <laughs> Little known fact about me, I love a garage sale. I know some of you are judging me rolling your eyes, but I do love a garage sale. And here in the LA, Hollywood area, there's not a lot of good garage selling. Like people just throw a few items on the lawn and then they will be like $5 and I'm not into it. I like a good garage sale. Let's take a little detour. When I was younger, (laughs) let's digress a little bit. When I was younger, I used to love garage sales. My mom, my mom's name is Linda. My mom, my aunt Sue, who's not really my aunt, but she, you know, is like an aunt. And my aunt Sue has a daughter named Stacy, who's my age. But when I was little, the four of us would go to garage sales. I'm talking like between the ages of maybe like five and 15, we would go to garage sales on the weekend. And I loved it. Ah, oh, I loved it. I loved a garage sale. I remember getting the newspaper and I would circle the ones I would want to go to in the summertime, uh, which also add that to the list of reasons why people should have known I was gay. I mean, around that time in 1996, I was recording First Wives Club off the TV on a VHS. It's like someone should have said something to me. <laughs> Give me a, should, Someone should have given me a heads up that, hey, you're a gay. I lived and I breathed for a garage sale. And we would get in the car. All of us would get in Saturday morning. We would go to these garage sales. And my Aunt Sue, my Aunt Sue has no filter. She would make like a perfect housewife because she has zero filter. And I remember getting to garage sales and she would just be so like, <laughs> like loud and aggressive. <laughs> like the person would be selling the things, you know, and like my Aunt Sue would just be like, like, what the fuck is this? Why is this so expensive? Or I'll never forget there was a garage sale we were at that they were selling a refrigerator and the refrigerator was in the garage. And it was like maybe, I don't know, $100. My it was probably more than that, but my aunt Sue, I remember she like looked at the refrigerator. She opened it up. She goes, "Woo, woo! It smells like shit in here." She <laughs> did an animal die in here? And then my mom is like across the across the way, the other side of the garage sale, and the person running it is like right there by the refrigerator. And my aunt Sue's like, "Lynn, Lynn, get over here! You gotta smell this!" Woo, woo. She's trying to sell this for a hundred dollars. Piece of shit! It's a piece of shit. She thinks she's getting money for this shit. It smells like an animal died. Lynn, you gotta check this out. Oh my god! <laughs> <And> the woman, <laughs> the woman running the garage show, was just like looking, and I was laughing so hard. And the answer, woo, Lynn, <laughs> Lynn, gotta check this piece of shit out. She thinks she's getting money for it. She's she's trying to get money for this piece of shit. <laughs> like, no filter at all, my Aunt Sue. Uh, or she would just pick something up and she'd be like, what's this broken piece of shit? Would you trying to sell this? And it was like, yeah, we're at a garage sale. <laughs> Not everything works perfectly. But <laughs> Lynn! <laughs> oh, it was delightful. And ever since that time, I've loved garage sales. I think they're great. You could find some good finds. I don't get to them anymore. But, you know, I might have to head out to Marina Del Rey for a a garage sale day. A nice Saturday afternoon. (laughs) Anyway, Adam, no other men are invited. It's just Adam there. It's enchilada night. It seems like an odd choice for a a dinner, but it's enchilada night. Sheena must have a good recipe for the enchilada. She made a couple different kinds. (laughs) Stassi, Katie, and Kristen show up. Now, when Stasi shows, shows up, she shows up with that bedazzled vodka bottle. And she says, I know you love things with your face on it. And so she hands the bottle, and the bottle has a picture of Sheena on it. And it's bedazzled. And I thought this was so fucking funny. <laughs> so funny. And also very kind to bring over a bottle of vodka. You know, when Stasi was on my show, she brought over that bottle of Which is a WeHo wine. And I thought, how nice and polite. And I ended up loving the wine. She says to Sheena, Sheena's talking about how Adam's there because he's like a, he's a bartender, he's a hot bartender, he's going to make him drinks, but she likes him and she's sleeping with him, she tells us an, a million times, she reminds us. And Stasi says, Sheena's like protesting too much, right? Like, Sheena always in the past has been like so wrapped up in guys, and now she actually really connects with this guy, Adam, but she's afraid to commit because she knows everyone will make fun of her and like, we have. But she's afraid to commit, so she says, "This is the most sheena thing sheena's ever sheened." And I think we should start using the word sheena as a verb, noun, adjective. <laughs> Let's see. Stassi was right here. We need all. We need a sheena the shit out of that word. <laughs> the most sheena thing sheena's ever Sheen'd. Oh, I loved it. And then the music changed, and Kristen showed up. You guys. Uh, oh, Kristen showed up, and Kristen, of course, got in that fight with Katie and Stassi. Last week, or maybe it was the week before, at that reptilian brain party. And look, Kristen went right for the sauce. Did you notice that? Sheena put out the enchiladas, and Kristen said on camera that she's not going to eat them. (laughs) She said, she went straight for the drinks. And (laughs) she said, maybe when I'm home, or she said, when I'm home later, I'll eat some. She's taking the leftovers home. She's not interested in eating at this dinner. And it just made me laugh. I thought, There's either one of two things at play here. Either she saw the enchiladas, which we've all done. We've all been to a dinner party, right? And like you see the food, and you're like, that looks disgusting. I need a way out of it. So Kristen either saw the food and thought, that's not going to happen. I'm not eating Sheena's enchiladas. Or she's like, I just want to get drunk. I don't want to waste time with the food. I'd rather have the food when I'm drunk and when I want it the most, which I've done too. We've all done, I think. You know, you think about saving calories. Because here's what I would do. If I started drinking and eating, then I would drink with my meal. And then later when I'd be drunk, I'd want more, another meal. Whereas if you do the Kristen method, you skip the main meal, you get drunk quicker, so you have less calories in your alcohol. And then you eat that big meal later when you really want it when you're drunk. So you basically cut your calories in half. So Kristen, I think you know she's, she needs to write a self-help book. Speaking of books, we need Kristen to write all of these tips. <laughs> a book of Kristen tips. I don't know if she has any others. I doubt she does. But I would still read that book. I'd buy it. I'd buy it. So then uh, Katie and Kristen go outside to talk. They're slurring a little bit. Did you notice this? Yeah. So that is the only thing I want to focus on right now. It hurt me because I was looking you in the eye and being very honest with you, and you just kept calling me a liar. I'm not the one that came and told me about all the things that Carter has said to you. I'm not the one that has created all of this. fair. They're slurring. Kristen's slurring her words. And it was shades of Dorinda to me. They're talking about Carter, and she's like, I mean, you don't understand, Carter does some good things, and now he's being really great, and maybe he just needed the kick in the pants from everyone yelling at him in order to get things back on track, and now he's being a great boyfriend. It was like just a, a smidge of Dorinda. It was like Dorinda after one martini, or one martini and a prescription pill, allegedly, maybe. But that's what I was getting out of Kristen. And... Even Katie was like a little sorry, but I really noticed it with Kristen, and I loved it. And then she said she wanted to, she made up with Katie, made up with Stasi, but then Kristen said she wanted to talk to LVP. She wanted to have a sit-down convo with LVP, and I thought, oh, give it to me. Give it to me now. Inject it into my veins. <laughs> yes, daddy. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I've had too much coffee. But I was excited. I'm excited about LVP and Kristen's sit-down. And boy, did it deliver. Then we cut to James and Raquel, who are with their dog, Graham, who I love, Graham. Now, Raquel has been collateral damage in this James versus the cast thing. Because James, like, he throws his suitcase. He's like, I'm not going to need this suitcase anymore. They disinvited me on the Mexico trip. And you could see in Raquel's face, she's thinking, does this mean I'm uninvited too? And then the wheels start turning. She says to James, I was ready to pack two. Well, she says it in her baby voice. So she's like, I was ready to pack two. And (laughs) then you could see the wheels turning in her head. She's thinking, well, how can I get back on this trip? Like, James got uninvited. Like, how can I get my plane fare and get to go to Mexico without James? Like, she's thinking, should I break up with him? Like, what's the play here? She's thinking of the play. And she doesn't quite get there because, you know, it takes her a while. (laughs) It might just take her a while. But James is upset. He's upset that Katie's dictating his summer, as he said before. And he said in his confessional, I haven't met the devil yet, but Katie comes close. Wow. 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 Bethany. Wow. 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 And then Raquel says, this was this was Raquel's power play. She's thinking, well, at least if I can't get on this trip, I need to stay in the cast. So I need him to change his ways. So she says to James, I recently moved. <laughs> Let me try to do it. I recently moved here. And I don't have a ton of friends, and it affects me, too. I don't know if that's a good Raquel. (laughs) Raquel's baby... It's a baby voice, though, right? Like, she's doing the baby voice. I recently moved here, and I don't have a ton of friends, and it affects me, too. And James seems to get it. He does. Also, I have no room to talk about anybody's voice. People always say my voice is high. So, you know, there you go, Raquel. If you're listening, I love you. I love you. I'm one of the people who, like, when... Uh, customer service calls, you know, and when they call me and I answer, they're like, hi, ma'am. Or, you know, they'll call me miss. (laughs) Ever since I was little, too, I was like, I remember being 12 years old and they're like, hi, miss, or, (laughs) you know, like Time Warner would call or TiVo would call and be like, hey, young lady, can I speak to your mom? Or they'd think I was my mom. They'd be like, hi, Linda, this is, you know, your sister Joanne. (laughs) Thought I was my mom. Ah, troubling times, troubling times. I'm sure some other gays out there can relate to that. You know, when you were younger and people thought you were your mother on the phone. Not a good feeling. Not a good feeling when you're trying to hide your mass. When you're trying to hide in the closet. Anyway, that's something for my therapist. That's a tale for another time with my therapist. But then we cut to Sir, and you guys. I thought that scene between Kristen and LVP was going to come like way later, like another episode or something, but we got it right away. That's what I'm saying this episode delivered. Kristen shows up. She said she showed up in her Lisa pump outfit, boobs and a tiny waist, she said. And Lisa could not look more disgusted. She just looked at Kristen and thought, I fucking hate you. That was what was playing in her head. If they would have subtitled it, I would have just said, fuck you. So Kristen says, congrats on Tom," and Lisa can't even take that congratulations. She said, I'm not ready to be congratulated on it yet. She's like, I will not accept it. Um, yes. Congratulations on Tom. I haven't opened it yet. I don't well. feel like it's worthy of congratulations right now. <laughs> so funny. And then, you know, Kristen says she wasn't invited to the Daily Mail party. She had to be disinvited to that. She got all ready. She said she got glammed up. And then they do that flashback to her eating pasta in bed. A plus TV. A plus TV. And then Kristen, this whole scene. And again, please don't message me that you hate Kristen, because I know everyone hates Kristen, but I love her. And I think she's a great reality star, and here's why. She knew that meeting with Lisa is not something she had to do, but she knew that it'd make good TV, and so did Lisa. That's why Lisa agreed to it. Both of these two know how to make good reality TV, whether we like them or not. We Whether we like them or not, this was a great scene, and I loved it. I loved it. And Kristen's a reality star, so is LVP. And Lisa knew exactly how to act in this scene. She knew she had to be disgusted in Kristen, and Kristen had to just suck it up and take it. She says to Kristen that Kristen will not be on her list. She said, if you're on the boys' list, if you're on Tom and Tom's list, fine, you could be there, but you're not on my list. And then LVP says in her confessionals, I've tried to ban her from everywhere. <laughs> imagine, imagine like, trying. Like, Lisa does not want Kristen in any of her establishments, but Kristen just keeps on coming back. And there's nothing Lisa could do about it. It's just happening. Whether anyone wants to like it or not. It's like Ramona on The Real Hustles of New York. You know how Ramona just shows up uninvited, whether the cast wants her there or not? That's what Kristen does. And I respect that as a reality TV star. So Kristen, you know, they, she sort of makes up with LVP. But again, Lisa can't hide her disgust. She tries to kiss goodbye. And then Lisa's like, you stepped on my foot. <laughs> and then Kristen like gives her another kiss in and then Lisa just looks like she's gonna wipe it off and she's just so disgusted by Kristen like even touching her face. And I thought you go to bed with Ken every night, like Kristen touching your face is not that bad. But I digress. Then we cut to one of my very favorite scenes that I've ever seen on this show, and that's Britney at the doctor. She is worried because she gets nauseous, she throws up a lot. And I'm glad that they didn't lead us to believe this was a pregnancy scare, because I feel like in seasons prior or other shows, they would have like tried to make it a thing like, is Britney pregnant? And then it would have been a cliffhanger, and then we would have had to deal with her taking tests and like all that shit. I like that she just has an ulcer. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm worried about her ulcer. But I'm glad that it's not a baby, because I don't think I'd be emotionally prepared for her and Jax have a baby. I know it's coming. Believe me, believe you me, I'm terrified about a Jackson and Britney baby coming. I don't think any of us are prepared for that. And it could happen any day. I want to say that. I want us to all prepare. I want us to all just sink it in that within the next year or so, we could be dealing with that. So let's all just like settle in. Let's get ourselves used to the idea of it because it's going to happen. And I need us all to be emotionally ready. We need to be emotionally ready. But anyway, Brittany tells the doctor that she's nauseous. She throws up a lot. She has an ulcer. And now the doctor says, Look, you got an ulcer. You can't be drinking. No spicy foods, no citrus. Again, he says, definitely no alcohol. And Brittany, she looks at the doctor. She's like very bewildered. You know, you could see in her face, she's just like not really processing it. He's saying, you know, just the most important thing is no alcohol. And Brittany looks at him and Jax is right by her side and she, she looks up all doe eyed and and she kinda squints her eyes a little bit and purses her lips and then she says i'm going to mexico though and he says yeah but you know you have an ulcer you can't drink you know you got a problem in your insides you know you haven't been taking care of your insides and that's why you're throwing up all the time and it could be a very dangerous situation if you don't take care of it and alcohol is one of the worst things you could do when you have an ulcer. You know, you can't be putting the alcohol in your body. You can't be putting spicy foods or citrus. And you can't particularly be drinking. And she, again, is just sitting there looking at him and thinking, but I'm going on a cast trip to Mexico. <laughs> she looked devastated. I've never seen Brittany that upset. I truly believe it was all in her face. If you look at her face, she was just like, wow, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to go on a vacation with these yahoos and I'm not allowed to drink. (laughs) I'm going to Mexico, though. (laughs) And the doctor's like, I don't give a fuck. You can't have alcohol. (laughs) But I'm going to Mexico, y'all. You know she's on the brim of freaking out. Brittany, in that doctor's office, it was a different kind of brim of freaking out than the last time we saw her on the brim of freaking out. But she was definitely on the brim of freaking out. She was definitely on the brim of freaking out. But it was just like an internal brim. You know, she was internalizing the brim, and it, she was definitely on it. I'm already on the brim of freaking out. If What was she on? The brim. She was on the brim of freaking out, because she couldn't drink in Mexico with the other castmates. So you know she walked out of there. I would have liked to see them going home. I want the cameras to follow them home, because I think in her confessional, she got used to the idea, but I think right at that moment at the doctor's office, I would have liked the camera to keep following them. Because I guarantee she said to Jax, well, maybe I'll just have one. You know, Maybe I'll have a couple. Because you know she's not going to go to Mexico and not drink, right? I am, I am on the edge of my seat. That's the biggest cliffhanger of all. I cannot wait to see Brittany in fucking Mexico. What's she going to do? When she looks around and she looks at the people she's with and the life she's living, there's no way she's not going to reach for a tequila. She ain't going to see Katie and Stassi and Jax, her boyfriend, and not grab a margarita. You can't tell me that. I don't believe it. And then, so what's going to happen? Is the ulcer going to explode? Is it going to explode? Is that how they work? Something's going to happen. The insides are just going to just explode in Mexico. We're going to have just a huge body explosion. Matt and I just watched the Final Destination movies. Do you guys ever see those? We just binge, like, the whole thing of them, like, the whole slew. And there's, like, all these creative deaths. And I don't like all the scary stuff, but these, we started watching them and then we just got into them and we watched all five like within the past week or whatever before bed. Very disturbing, but there's always these creative deaths. And I thought watching Britney at the doctor's office, I thought that could be a final destination death. It's like Britney's in Mexico and her insides just explode because she can't stand to look at Jack's without a tequila in her hand. (laughs) Britney's insides. She didn't listen to the doctor. You know, that'd be the scripted version of this. She didn't listen to the doc. And her insides explode. The ulcer didn't make it through. She couldn't do the cast trip. <laughs> Final destination six, Brittany's ulcer. That's what I need to see. <laughs> I love my Brit. Okay, so then we cut to Lala. She's in the studio with someone named Sean, too. And look, the two, the other person's name, it was just letters. It was letters put together B L K L E L V S, I believe it was. And the other guy's name was Sean, too. No spaces, just Sean and the number two. Their names are literally AOL Instant Messenger screen names from 1998. That's what they are. That's how they got named. (laughs) And they look great. And honestly, the song started. So the song we hear is, what's it for? What's it for? Tell me what's it for. And I thought, oh, this transitional music sounds good. Like, this doesn't sound like our normal transitional artists. And it wasn't. This was Lala's new song. And it was good. I thought it was good. Apparently, it's a song to help her move on from her dad's death. And look, Ariana and Stasi come in and they start talking to Lala. Lala says, you know, she wants to perform this song to help her move on from her dad's death. And Ariana, who, of course, five years ago lost her parent, and it's interesting to have her perspective because she says, you know, even later in the episode, she says, no one was tiptoeing around me when this happened to me. And it's true, we're seeing Lala be very aggressive, rightfully so, because she's gone through something terrible. And, you know, when you go through something like that, you do crazy shit and you act a mess. I don't know. We also got that wonderful footage of Ariana in the studio doing that song with James where she was supposed to sing like a robot. (laughs) It was so funny. So funny. He's like, sound like more like a robot. And then she's just, I really do believe in you too. Uh that's how she was singing in the in the studio. she sounded like, she sounded like and this is terrible please don't please don't get mad at me. But doesn't she sound in the studio she sounded like this is terrible. You guys don't hear me but didn't she sound like have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a movie where an actor plays someone who's deaf, and they are are speaking, and it's so it's almost like it's offensive. You know what I mean? It's like a an actor who's not deaf playing a deaf person, and they they have a scene where they're supposed to be speaking, and they're just like ah ooh, ah. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not talking about deaf people. I'm saying. When actors play that role, and it's offensive. That's how it felt like the studio session went. Please don't get mad at me. I love you all. I love all people. But the robot voice, that's what it was. And when I'm watching this robot voice, I was laughing so hard. And I thought, "This is a sh- this. is we're so lucky to have this show. We truly are so lucky to have this show. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And Lala says in the scene, she says, I'm road raging through life right now. And we get that. We get that. So then we have some more transitional music. We the transitional music here leads into something great. So it's like we got it good, good, yeah, we got it good, good, good. So that's the song. We got it good, good, good. And it's leading us into Jackson Britney's apartment. And I thought really, we got it good, good, good. That's what we're leading into Jackson Britney's apartment. I don't know. They're planning for that engagement party. Jacks just want Coors Light. Britney says they only have fancy beers. Then Jax gets upset about the money. Apparently, it's costing too much. And there's a mashed potato bar that's $300. And Brittany was right. She says, a mashed potato bar sounds amazing. You know, especially after all she's been through, she deserves that mashed potato bar. And let me tell you something. I love mashed potatoes. I love them so, so much. I have my favorites. My boyfriend makes amazing mashed potatoes. I always ask him to make them. I also go to this place called Bristol Farms. I like their ready-to-go mashed potatoes. Point is, I love mashed potato, and if I was at a function with a mashed potato bar, I'd be in heaven. What does that entail? Multiple different types of mashed potatoes? Does that include other kinds of potatoes, like roasted potatoes, or scalloped potatoes, or baked potatoes? Like Is it going to have that, or is it strictly mashed? Is it different kinds of mash? Garlic, cheddar, onion? What are we looking at here? I need to know. I need pictures. I need to know what this venue has in store for us, because, frankly, I want to hire a mashed potato bar for my own functions. I know, you know, I'm not having an engagement party coming up or anything like that, but I would like a mashed potato bar. And so I need these answers. I need someone to provide me with the details of this mashed potato bar. And Brittany, again, was right. She said, a mashed potato bar sounds amazing. I said, yes. I was talking to this TV. You know, when somebody on the TV says something, I nodded along and I was like, yes, yes, Brittany. (laughs) Yes, queen. (laughs) I was like snapping my fingers at the TV. Yes, yes. Stood up. <laughs> like other people when they watch like sports games, sports ball, I'm just like standing up and cheering at the screen. I'm like, yes, Brittany, get that mashed potato bar. Yes, <laughs> get those mashed potatoes. Sounds amazing. You're right. Sounds amazing. <laughs> I was on the brim of freaking out. <laughs> get those mashed potatoes, Britt. Ah, uh, she's she's earned it. I'm not sure how it'll affect her ulcer, but. Quite frankly, she's probably going to explode in Mexico, so she probably won't even get to try those mashed potatoes. But who knows? <laughs> then we cut to then we cut to some more transitional music. We got, this is our town and we're living it up, living it up, live fast, die young, we got nothing to prove. So that's the lyrics to the transitional song. Then we get into Sir with Sheena. It's like, really living it up. You know, then we see Sheena wiping menus off at Sir. So Sheena tells LVP about Adam. All this Adam stuff, we didn't get any trolling of Sheena very much, did we? I'm trying to think, did we get any editor trolling of Sheena this week? I don't really think we did. We did get some trolling of Sheena by the cast, you know, of course, with Stasi bringing the vodka with her face on it. But I don't know that we got so much like editing trolling. But every time she's on screen and she's talking about this Adam thing, does it not feel like weird to you guys? Like it feels false to me. It feels like made up in. And just a weird sort of side storyline. And it might not be made up. Maybe it's real. She's like talking about a lot to prove that it's real or something. I don't know. That's how it feels. But I was happy for her. I was thrilled that the editors didn't seem to troll her much this week. I was like, you know, nice to get a break. She also says in her confessional, everyone needs to let me do me and Adam do me. That's the kind of line where it's like, okay, it's crossing a line here. I'm getting, I'm throwing up in my mouth a bit. Like there's literal vomit coming up in my mouth. My insides are exploding, like Britney's ulcer. It's just, my insides are coming up. And I'm like, okay, enough. Taylor Armstrong enough. Okay, enough. Girls, enough. Enough. Your enough, enough, enough. Then we cut to brunch with Billy Lee, and this was the most thrilling scene. Lala, of course, showed up just like J-Lo at the Grammys in 2000. And Raquel comes with James, because James is DJing. And Raquel says in her baby's voice, she says, Best. Brunch is really important for James so he can show Lisa how professional he can be. And you guys, Raquel, 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 the baby voice, particularly in the confessional. Now I want to talk about something. I can almost, the baby voice in the scenes doesn't really bug me. I think it's great. I think it's her. It makes me laugh a little bit. She's young. She's a young, beautiful woman. You know, that's just her voice, you know. It is what it is. But when I hear it in the confessional, I am taken aback. I feel like like the wind is coming at me. I'm almost like blown back, you know, off my couch. I feel like I'm just everything's coming at me. It feels like I got a wind machine on me and I'm about to like fall over in the back. I'm fall back over the couch. Every time I see Raquel's confessional or hear it because the voice is just so shocking in the confessional. Something about that weird, I don't know, that room that they film those confessionals in, hearing her baby voice there is just very shocking to my ears, and it's shock to my system. It's a lot. And she's been getting more and more confessionals, and I'm happy that she's getting confessionals. And I feel like there's a star underneath there somewhere. I've said that before. You know, she's had star-making moments. But I, I don't, I'm going to need a little bit more. But at this brunch, wait, let's see. Well, we get Tom and Ariana showing up. And Tom says that he had to go to the DMV to get his motorcycle license because he got that motorcycle for the Tom Tom opening. And we got a flashback of him at the DMV. He was talking to the guy. He's telling him about Tom Tom, the the man or woman who's working at the DMV. He says to the person, "You know, the DMV doesn't provide hair and makeup, do they?" And I thought I would watch a full show of Tom Sandoval doing daily tasks. You know, this Vanderpump Rules is great for the drama. I like the excitement, the drama, the laughs. But I would watch a whole show of just Tom. Going to the bank, the grocery store, the pharmacy, the DMV, the pumping, pumping his gas, going to the barber, going to the post office. Like, show me a full hour of just Tom at the post office buying stamps. I think it'd be great. I loved watching meth DMV. It was insane and hilarious. And show me him doing any menial task. I want to see him opening up accounts at the bank and then closing those accounts. <laughs> just, just that's be enough for me. Like the producers just have them open up accounts and close accounts, having to do with bank tellers. Sign me up for a season pass. I don't have a TiVo, but I'd TiVo it. So at this brunch with Billy Lee, Lala and Billy Lee talk. And Billy Lee gets, she gets in over her head with people like Lala because Lala is, especially in this state that Lala's in, where she's very emotional and energetic. It's just, I don't think Billy Lee can keep up. And I don't think Raquel could keep up either. And Billy Lee says, why do you think you're better than people? And then Lala says, that's called confidence. Ugh. Ugh. Then Lala, as she's walking away, she says, I think you're a snake. And look, you guys, I think Lala's coming across as very mean. I know she's going through stuff in real life. But if I'm judging just off this TV show that I'm watching in front of me, it's coming off as very mean girl to me. And I don't like it, and I want to like Lala, and I... I hope that she gets through all this stuff and that she comes back next season, because last season she seemed to be so refreshing. Again, I know she's going through stuff, but it just is coming across as too mean to me, especially with Raquel, because, again, people like Billy Lee and Raquel are a little over their heads, and so to see someone like Lala going so hard at them, it's not a fair fight, I don't think. Then we get a little scene of Sheena talking to Adam at this brunch, and Adam's not invited on the cast trip, because he's just a side character, but... Sheena says, "I'll send you so many snaps, like from Mexico. I'll send you a bunch of snaps." And Adam says, "Remember when I had to tell you to stop sending me snaps? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Remember when I had to tell you to stop sending me photos of yourself? <laughs> so. Mean. I wish you were coming. You'll send me so many snaps. Like in ho- when I was in Hawaii, and you're like, like oh, stop sending me snaps. Sending me snaps. <laughs> um." Oh, poor Sheena. Poor Sheena. Every time Adam's on screen, he's just like, he's the one trolling Sheena in his scenes. It's like, remember when I told you, please stop sending me photos? (laughs) Oh, it was too good. Too good. Then Lala's friend, Alexis, starts talking to Raquel. Now, one thing I want to point out is Alexis is a person of color, and we have no diversity on this show. I just like that to be a reminder. It was like refreshing to see Raquel. Or, I'm sorry, Alexis, because I was like, wow, we finally have a person of color on this show, or some sort of diversity, because it's just these white people. And I would like some sort of diversity. We don't even have a gay person in there. At least we got Billy Lee. But for the most part, this is a pretty bland cast. And so it was refreshing to see Alexis. Now, Lala overhears Alexis talking to Raquel, and she overhears Raquel saying some things about Lala. So then Lala and Raquel have a fight in the doorway. Lala comes in so hot, Raquel's over her head. She, Lala says to Raquel, you don't empower other women. And I thought, what the fuck does Raquel have to empower other women for? Where is, she, where, where is she supposed to empower him at? Like, I don't really understand. I didn't understand that. And I know it was part of the fight. Maybe I missed part of it. You know, my thing was cutting in and out a little bit during this time. So maybe I missed it. But I thought, why does Raquel, is she expected to empower other women? I thought it was such a bizarre thing. And then Lala says, I thought you were a dummy before my dad died, but you're a dummy now, you bambi-eyed bitch. (laughs) Didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. Lala's just coming in too hot at Raquel. I feel bad for her. Raquel is a sweet young lady. Does she have a baby voice? And is she maybe a bambi-eyed bitch? I don't know. But (laughs) it just seemed like not a fair fight. And everyone's saying, like, this doesn't give Lala an excuse to act this way. I know she's going through it, but... She should probably have taken the season off, just been a friend of or something. I know she's got to work, but it's probably not helping that she's also filming these movies with Al Pacino. Raquel makes a good point. She says that James that Lala attacked her, a patron, while while Lala is supposed to be working the hostess stand. And it's true. Lala is supposed to be working. She did say some awful things at the front of this restaurant, and if it was James or Jack's doing this, they would be fired. But Lala's not going to be. Then Lala goes in the back and she meets with Brittany and she says that she's above Raquel and poor Brittany just sitting there. She says, yeah, I don't agree with what R- Lala's saying, but I want Lala to calm down. <laughs> Brittany knows she just needs to defuse the situation. And then this is where Ariana starts talking about how no one tiptoed around her when she lost her parent. And she's very wise about the loss, I think. Then James goes up to Lala and James says, I don't like the way you spoke to Raquel. And then Lala responds with, she should stop being a C-word. I'm not even going to say the word because I hate that word, but she says Raquel should stop being the C-word. And too hot. And James really turned it around. He was really calm. He was cool. He was collected. He said in his confessional that Lala lost. I thought this was very intriguing. Let's all listen. James said about Lala that Lala lost a lot of her wholesome qualities. And when she sees it in Raquel, she wants to tear it down. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. She wants to tear it down. I'm not sure that he's right, but it was wise enough for me to like sit back and listen, take it down as a note, and think about it. So I'd encourage us all to think about it. Do we think that? I don't know. All you got to do is fill out this quick brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everything iconic. Then Lala says, I made it clear I'm not your friend. Then the editors flash back to Lala saying that she loves James. (laughs) This was shady. Because she did. We saw that meeting when they went to the fucking Panera or whatever it was, where Lala says she wanted to get their relationship back on track. I don't know, but James kept his cool. Lala was losing it. And this is the James that I like. James was keeping it together. And if he could do this all the time, everyone would like him. But he can't. But I wish he would, because he had some points, kept it under control. And then the other person looked crazy. Then, of course, Billy Lee shows up. Billy Lee comes in hot. And actually, I thought, maybe this is the side of Billy Lee we need more of. Billy Lee said, you need to go. It's like, Billy Lee, do you, you're running a brunch here, but I don't know that you're in charge of the restaurant. But she says to Lala, you need to go. And then Lala says, you're boring. And Billy Lee says, you look like, your look is like 1995. And Lala, of course, corrects us in the professional. She said, it's from 2000. It's J-Lo's dress. Iconic. And it is. It is. It's a weird thing to wear hosting. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of a bizarre look to host at a restaurant. You know? Like, I used to host at a Ruby Tuesdays, and I wouldn't have worn something like that. And I wouldn't say Sir is like that many notches above a Ruby Tuesdays. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sir is, I don't, you guys, I don't think Sir is that much above a Ruby Tuesdays. I think we're about even maybe like a notch above it, it goes like, let me think here. I'd say it's like Applebee's, Ruby Tuesdays, then Sir, and then Rainforest Cafe. Like I would say, (laughs) I would say Rainforest Cafe is like a notch above Sir. And Ruby Tuesdays is like a notch below. But anyway, let's say I worked at Rainforest Cafe. I didn't, but maybe some of you out there did. And you were a host there. Could you imagine one of the Rainforest Cafe hosts wearing JLo's 2000 Grammy dress? I don't think so. So the fact that Lala's wearing this dress to host brunch is bizarre. Iconic look, she was right. It looked amazing on her. But let's all think about what we're doing here. They're leading us to believe that she's hosting at this Ruby Tuesdays-esque restaurant. I mean, it's not good. The food's not good. It's, like, not nice inside there. So, like, I'm not out of line when I say it's, like, a rot. Run- Ruby Tuesdays is probably cleaner. Like, and definitely Rainforest Cafe is. I'm just saying. Cheesecake Factory is way cleaner than a Sir. Like, you can use the bathrooms at a Cheesecake Factory. You do not want to use the bathrooms or the toilets at Sir. If anything, like, you go back to the dump. You take a dump at the dump because you do not want to use the restrooms inside of a Sir. So, really, I mean... That's all I'll think about that next time you go into a Cheesecake Factory, think if the hostess was just wearing uh, J Lo's dress from the year two thousand. Think about it. It'd be batshit. But we're all supposed to just get over it? I don't think so. But Billy Lee, she says, You're dismissed, bitch. <laughs> and it was like it felt like a written line, but I didn't even care. Because it looked like they were fighting, they were done, and then Billy Lee was just on camera. She's like, You're dismissed, bitch, and I loved it. Meanwhile, Peter's in the kitchen just, like, putting shit away, has no idea what's going on. But there was this, this was what I'm talking, there was a spark, because they didn't even show us all this in the preview. We saw little clips of it. But it felt like new arguments, new dynamics, new cast members fighting. I I was living. We need more of that. We need more of these new people getting in the mix. And we need more fights amongst people we haven't seen fights amongst before. You know what I'm saying? Then uh, we go into TomTom. They're getting ready for the opening. They signed the term sheet, which is still very unclear to me. Max shows up, Lisa's son Max, and I wrote my notes gross but better than Ken or Pandy. I applaud this, and I just want to thank the editors for showing us Max. I actually, like, I don't mind seeing Max. Show me more Max. Then James tells LVP what happened. LVP doesn't believe it. I felt bad for James. He just does need to grow up, but it seems like he's trying, right? He's trying a little bit. I flip flop on James. I truly do. And he says he's not going to go to the opening of Tom Tom. And they played sad music, and I felt bad for the kid. He voluntarily said he's not going to go, and he's not going on the cast trip. They're really pushing him out of this show, and I don't like it. And they need him on it. Anyway, next week is the opening of Tom Tom and Mexico. I can't wait to see Britney not drinking. Ugh, I'm so excited. We get a Tom and Katie fight. I haven't seen them fight. We haven't really seen a, much of the dynamic between Tom and Katie, but I think it's clear they hate each other. Uh, Tom and his wife, Katie. I think there's nothing, <laughs> there's never been anything more clear. Tom and Katie hating each other. Anyway, that's our episode. So I loved it. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to say please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash everything iconic. Click the become a patron button. For $4 more per month, you get access to the bonus episodes. I'm promising one a month and hopefully doing a little bit more, but Mostly, the money just helps support the show. So, thank you to all that are over there. Uh, there's also an Everything Iconic Facebook group, and the moderators in there have been wonderful and helped me come up with some of these questions. She actually came up with some questions, so there is like some moderating. We just wanted to keep it keep it good in there, and just hopefully everyone can remain nice and have it be a fun, safe space. And I don't use Facebook too much, but I try to hop in there every once in a while. But uh, so so, please keep being nice in there and be nice to each other. Let's all be nice and. And, you know, just celebrate these shows and these people and let's love the things we love and the pop culture and all that. I'm getting mushy. So now that I'm getting mushy, let's all do our little cool down and then we'll play our mushy Kimberly Lock song to play us out. So let's all take a deep breath in, hold it, breathe out. Let's all take another deep breath in, hold it, and think of the year 2000, the millennium. Breathe out. Okay, so in this episode, Lala wore the J-Lo Grammy dress from the year 2000. Now, I have memories from that year, The right before the Y2K. <laughs> this is silly, but let's all think about Y2K. What did you do that year? I remember just sitting home with my family. Everyone thought the world was going to end. Spoiler alert, it didn't. But just take some time to think back at that time, and hopefully it was a good time in your life, and you can smile thinking about it. I love you all. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for subscribing and telling friends. It means the world to me. I love you. We'll be back with our ruining recap this week. Love you all. Bye-bye.